Welcome to the Artemis Awakening, a conversational podcast of the spiritual taboo. We are here to pique your curiosity about the supernatural. We will be discussing all spiritual topics with modern day oracles, scientists, and those who have experienced unexplained events. We are on a mission to spread wisdom, love, and light on a path of spiritual exploration that transcends the limitation of the body and mind. Thank you for joining us. So welcome to the podcast, Cassie. This is Cassie Flowers, Reiki master and teacher, founder of Lemurian Lightwork and Third Eye Fabrics. Cassie, would you like to give everyone a little background of what Lemurian Lightwork is and also Third Eye Fabrics? Lemurian Lightwork was founded, gosh, I think four years ago now. And basically that is my Reiki practice. Reiki is a form of energy healing or energy work. And I specialize in what's called distance Reiki. My clients mainly are in different countries or or across the country. We do most of our work just energetically. And when COVID started, that was when I decided to start teaching Reiki. I got certified as a teacher. I created my own curriculum, my own workbook, handbook, um, and certification process so that hopefully we could bring more love into the universe and more peace. I feel like, especially over the last couple of years, that's what we've needed the most. And that was how I decided I wanted to contribute to what was happening in the world. Also during that time, I started playing with um, a different way of being creative and started working with fabrics and textiles and color. But I had a dream one night of all of these colors kind of mixing together and dripping. There was ice, color, fabric. I had no idea what it was about, but I woke up in the middle of the night and I just started Googling and I found this thing called ice dye and it's using powdered dye instead of what most of us are used to with liquid dye. And it is a form of tie dye, but it's less predictable. Typically with tie dye, you're actually tying a garment and you're creating a design. With ice dye, you're actually putting ice over a fabric, sprinkling dye and letting that dye and the pigment break apart in ways that you can't control and move with the water as it melts from the ice. And so it's very unpredictable. It's a great way just to kind of let go of control of outcome. So it's been a wonderful way for me to challenge myself during COVID as well, to just kind of get out of my my type A box a little bit. Yeah, I can see how it would do that. It's all about the practice of expressing your creativity or even expressing some divine symbol that's coming through to you. And then when it's finished and finalized, you let it go and let it be and and don't get too attached to the material part of it. 
your background is, is pretty interesting because you were originally a social worker. That's what you went to school for and what you trained in. And you still carry very much of that persona in everything that you do. You are very much the caretaker of people. People open up to you. They feel safe with you. You certainly create an environment where people feel safe sharing personal, very personal sometimes secrets that they've not shared with anyone else. So I do think that you have that gift. And then you were working in the corporate world for quite a while. And despite the fact that it was good money and perhaps a promising career, you were being overworked, you were not happy. And tell us about what you decided to do after that. I met the person who became my husband. At the time I was working from home, like you said, in the corporate world, very much overworked. When you work at home, you know that you end up working a lot more than just 40 hours a week. And he caught me on the right day at the right time. And he had actually lived on a boat for about seven years. He was living on a boat when I met him. And that day he said, you know, would you consider moving on to the boat with me? That day I said, yes, I would. And so from there, I kind of created a plan to make that happen. And then he proposed a little bit later. So in the span of about six weeks, um, I quit my job, got married, sold everything moved out of my townhouse and onto this 25 foot old sailboat with my husband and my new husband and my dog. And that was about three years ago. I attended your wedding. It was incredibly gorgeous. One of the coolest weddings I've ever been to because it was in that rustic church and it very much felt like a spiritually blessed event. It really felt like the divine energy was there blessing this union. That's an interesting backstory that, you know, you started out, like you said, being more type A and having a lot of structure to now having more of a free flowing lifestyle. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your sacred space in your boat, what it looks like, what you have in there and how you utilize that. So when I lived on land, I basically had a whole upstairs room that was my what I considered my altar. And that was where I would go to commune with the divine or God, whatever we want to call um, spirit. And it was a way for me just to kind of drop my husband. We were at a store and I saw some backsplash that looked like the ocean. It has these beautiful blues and browns and silvers in it. And I was like, oh, can we make an altar? Can we, can I need a, I really need a space. I've always had like these little spaces here and there. Was just feeling really pulled again to make something mine and sacredly mine in the boat. I've created this beautiful space. This week I'm on my, on my solar plexus. And so I have things on my altar that represent the solar plexus, represent the element of fire. And, um, it's just a place for me to kind of shut everything else down and help me get tuned into really what's most important. It makes me feel the most connected. I like that you bring up, there are different phases that you go through, because I think when we're talking about chakras, 
sometimes people have this misconception that if their throat chakra is blocked, they're going to get some major health issue or it could present in a in a big way. And, and that's not always the case. Sometimes you're going about your life and certain chakras are aligned and things are going okay. And then you come up against a situation, let's just say at work, where you're not able to voice your concerns or establish those boundaries. You don't feel <laughs> like you have that permission. And so you end up having a little bit of a blockage that starts to form there, but it can be temporary. So if we could just kind of get more in tune with our bodies and our emotions, we can really start picking apart what feels off to me today and just know that it will vary from day to day, from week to week. And it can be a very simple fix, especially when you recognize it early on. Yes, absolutely. There are a lot of tools that are available to us if we start to understand where in our body we're feeling closed off, stagnant, uncomfortable. There are lots of tools that are available to everyday people um, to help clear that energy. Because that's really, uh, it's not even about clearing things out. It's more about getting that energy moving again. Mm -hmm. uh, the way that a chakra becomes quote unquote blocked is because the energy stops moving through it. And chakras are really spinning wheels of energy. And what they do is they process the events in our life. As we go through something, it can trigger past events, past emotional trauma, psychological trauma that's stored and maybe hasn't been completely cleared from, a, from one of our chakras. And it triggers that. And the mm -hmm. energy stops moving. But even with just as simple as spinning your hand, connecting to that chakra and spinning your hand counterclockwise in front of it, and then drawing out the energy with your hand, hmm. that can help get the energy moving through that chakra again so you can start to process and work through whatever is happening with you. Uh, but it, it doesn't have to be some big, huge therapy that you go to to get your chakras fixed. It can be very simple, especially once you get to a place where you know what it feels like to have your chakras open and free flowing. Then it almost becomes like a, a daily maintenance, right? Just like brushing your teeth. Clearing, balancing your chakras can become a daily part of your morning shower or your evening bath. Um, and actually, those are perfect places to do it because you're working with water. Even something yeah. you do while you're washed, standing at the sink and washing dishes. There's ways for you to work on your chakras when you're doing that. Yeah, this is a really unique example, but I went to this women's conference. One of the suggestions was that we take all of our emotions that we don't feel good about and we bring them all the way down into our womb space. Our womb space is you know, where we originated. It's where we felt the most safe and cared for and nourished. So the theory was if you put all your emotions in that womb space, it's a safe place for that energy to go and essentially it could become neutralized. However, <laughs> for me, I had a lot of emotional energy and this conference was all about like 
you know, uh, speaking in front of people and standing up in front of a huge audience terrifies me. That terrifies me. So needless to say, I was an anxious wreck. I was taking all of this energy. I was stuffing it inside that womb space. And that same weekend, I developed an autoimmune disease that attacks my intestines. So perhaps I misinterpreted what was stated. Perhaps I just had way too much emotional energy. When I did sit with those feelings that were bottled up and stuck in my womb years later, I actually discovered that I had a lot of past life memories coming about that had to do with disempowerment, not feeling that I was my sensual self because I was repressing it. And all those feelings from several different lifetimes of being a woman came up in that meditation. And in that meditation, my whole goal was to move that energy out, to thank it for being there, apologize for what I may have done to contribute to that energy being there and allow it to be released. I was actually doing the meditation because I was in quite a bit of pain. I was absolutely miserable. I didn't have the medication I'm using at this point. So I was in a bad place. And I was able to meditate and move that pain away by focusing on it. So that's just one example. I know that um, health issues can, can come out in many different ways, depending on the chakra. So we'll go over that in a little bit. First, I just want to say what you were able to recognize in that meditation, what was sitting there in your womb space, um, in, your, in your sacral chakra is amazing. And what a gift to be able to gather all of that wisdom and understanding through meditation. That's, that's where your intuitive gifts really came in handy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of women don't understand you know, our sacral chakra or our womb space is, is not just about sex or sensuality or our gen- or gender identity. It really is almost a portal, um, especially for the maternal lifeline from our grandmothers, our grandmothers, grandmothers. There's so much that gets passed down that we all have trauma sitting in our womb space simply because of history right? And so even if it isn't something that we've directly experienced, whether it was this lifetime, a previous lifetime, or something that happened to our great-great-grandmothers, and we all know that the traumas that women have been through and continue to go through, and we are all, just as human beings, we're all interconnected. People talk about empaths and and being an empathic person and able to, to carry the energy of other people and you'll find that a lot of women are empathic and I believe that's because of this connection that we have through our womb space and so when I work with women um, in fact I don't think I've worked with a woman yet that doesn't have something there in the sacral chakra that needs to be healed and, wow. that, and, and that's not even taking into account what we've experienced in this lifetime, right? I'm just talking about generational stuff uh, and historical stuff, but 
then you take in what we are experiencing now um, with suppression and how common it is for women to be abused in some way throughout our lifetime. The majority of us will. And that affects a lot. And that can affect the whole chakra system. Mm -hmm. Um, But the instability that it creates, that fear that it creates, that disconnection from um, the feminine piece of us, that resides in our sacral chakra. And what's wild about that is you don't always know that you're being affected by it. I didn't always have that connection because until the Me Too movement, I didn't realize I had been abused. So it's like sometimes you're struggling throughout life with these things and you don't have any idea why it's happening, but you're seeing it physically and you're feeling the disconnect. You're feeling the fear, like you said. I think for me, the, the root chakra has been a major struggle, a major challenge to get over. How secure do you feel in your home, with your finances, and in your body? Yeah, the root chakra is really focused on those primal instincts of safety, right? The foods we eat, the physical structure that we live in, the air that we breathe, um, how we put one step in front of the other and where we're stepping. Um, All of those are housed. And and what's interesting is the root chakra, it's the only chakra that's fully formed when we're born. And so it is taking in all of those experiences from the moment of our birth, possibly even before, up to the ages of, of anywhere from five to 10, everything is getting stored in there. So if you think, you know, I don't remember anything um, prior to the age of five, but my body remembers the energy and the energetic imprint that those events, which I had some pretty major events happen before I was five years old that I have no recollection of, hmm. but they sure have he sure have impacted my life. Um, and it wasn't until really delving into working with the chakras uh, and then also going to therapy myself, understanding just how important it is that we work on the root chakra because the root chakra is the base for all of the other chakras. It's a system. Mm-hmm. When one is out of whack, The others are going to be impacted in some way. They have to overcompensate sometimes. And you'll see people who have an underactive root chakra where there's something that that they don't feel safe. You know, something happened in their childhood, but they will overcompensate by being egotistical, by commanding attention from others that typically is going to come from the throat chakra. So the throat chakra is overcompensating for an underdeveloped or underactive root chakra. So our chakras all work together. And if one's out of balance, the other one's going to be out of balance too. Well said. So chakras in Sanskrit means wheel, as you stated, it refers to energy points in your body. They are thought to be spinning disks of energy that should stay open and aligned. And 
correspond to bundles of nerves, major organs, and areas in our energetic body that affect our emotional and physical well-being, as we just discussed. They were first mentioned in the Vedas, an ancient sacred text of spiritual knowledge that went all the way back between 1500 to 1000 BC before Christ. So that in itself is remarkable because this, is, this has been around a very long time. It's been studied a very long time. If you look for any books by uh, Dr. Amit Ray, he goes into great depth about the chakras and the herbal remedies that can be used, even the gemstones that can be used to heal those chakras. There are 114 chakras. That came as a shock to me. Yeah. There's seven major ones, 21 minor and 86 micro chakras. And then of course we know that the Ayurvedic diet corresponds with those chakras and how to stay aligned. And that gets very involved and that's a whole other topic in itself. But generally speaking, there's a reason why you will see the Indian culture using turmeric, ginger, black pepper, and neem in their diets. Each, each one of those uh, foods or herbal remedies is assigned to a chakra and it's supposed to bring about balance. So we talked about the root chakra that's at um, like the tailbone. It is your foundation. Um, it represents the feet as well and the immune system, and it's how we feel grounded. So when we do a meditation session, that's the very first thing we do is we ground ourselves to the earth. And the way that I like to do it is uh, a method that was taught by Michelle Dupree, and that's where you connect your hips to a tree trunk. And you imagine that the tree trunk has rooted itself deep within the earth and wrapped its uh, root system around the core so that you're very stable. And you can imag imagine all different kinds of, of trees, whatever resonates with you, but I like to choose the oak tree because I have that Southern connection. And then we go to the sacral chakra, which is in the intestines, the lower back and the pelvis. And this is my favorite one because it represents creativity, balance, and sensuality. So when I think of femininity, I think of all those things. Of course, femininity doesn't have to be defined by a woman uh, born at birth as a woman, but it can be defined as just that free flowing energy when you're doing something that really speaks to your heart, your, cre your creative self. I mean, how would you explain that chakra? Yes, and I agree with you. It is my favorite. The way that I, when I first started studying the chakras, when you first have an idea, it's not the, the painting that gets painted on the canvas, right? It's that first impulse that comes to you. That idea is being born and it's being born through the sacral chakra. So a lot of us are mothers, a lot of us are not mothers, but all of us in some way give birth to something, whether it be another human or some sort of project or creativity, we're all bringing gifts out into the world. And all of that starts as a teeny, weeny little bean pod in our sacral chakra. Mm -hmm. And as that idea grows and comes to life, you can actually trace it all the way up through the chakras or down. There are 
actually two different ways that you can work with the chakras going up from the root or down from the crown. But that sacral chakra, you're absolutely right, that it's all about that sensual energy. When I have people work with their sacral chakra, I like to ask them to think of it when they're first envisioning it, to think of it as an empty cavern. And then you light a candle. And then what would you like to see? Hmm. Whether it's velvety cushions and pillows on the floor, what kind of lighting do you want to be in there? What kind of um, furniture do you want? Do you want like this beautiful lounging bed? And what would you be wearing? All of those things that make you feel kind of tingly and alive and, and really, I don't want to say sexy, but sexy. You know, those things that turn you on in terms of all of your senses being engaged. Mm-hmm. That, that's what we get when we're fully engaged with our sacral chakra. And it takes a lot of work to keep that particular chakra I think it it does take a lot of work in our 3D dimension. Yes. Now that I've been off of work for a month, that is the chakra that is probably the most um, lit up for me because mm-hmm. I'm finally able to explore explore all these interests and you know research history, look at art, listen to music. Yeah. But I mean, like you said, it can start as simple as just listen to um, a song in the morning to start your day that really brings you in tune with your spiritual self. For me, I love the, the Hindu music. Um, I'm trying to think of the instrument. What is it called? The sitar. I mm-hmm. love listening to the sitar. Yeah. So for me, that's what, that's what works. For my husband, it's going to be Native American uh, flute music. So whatever, whatever you need to do to kind of get in that space of free-flowing creative energy, I think will be very helpful. And then we move on to the solar plexus. And this is the, this represents the digestive system, metabolism. It's right kind of below your rib cage. And this is a very interesting one as well. And I think that some people might be resonating with this um, chakra more than others because it has to do with empowerment versus shame being the opposite of that. So are you being submissive in any way, shape, or form? Do you feel like you can be your authentic self or is that being repressed? Yes, I like to think of this one as how do you show up in the world? So the first two chakras are are really personal, right? You've got like your child self and your family and your home and your finances in your root chakra and then in your in your sacral we've got that sensuality sexuality that really feminine energy and i don't know that we've talked about it but obviously the root chakra corresponds with the element of earth the sacral chakra corresponds with the element of water so that free flowing the sacral chakra corresponds with the element of fire so you think of of the solar plexus as the spark right? What is it that lights you up? What is it that gets your excitement really going in the 3D world? Um, But it also has to do with your confidence. And it has to do with how you're presenting your inner self 
to the outer world? How are you showing up out there when you're going to work or when you're with your friends or with your family? That's really what that third chakra is all about. And see, I think it could be tough for women because we've been living in a male dominated society now for such a long time that when we think of empowerment, when we think of power period, it's usually overpowering. It's like physical strength and power over others. And that's not what empowerment is. Empowerment is just being confident in who you are, feeling like you can express yourself and be who you are um, unapologetically. Not to say that you're avoiding responsibility or accountability, but that you're just sure of who you are and you don't need to apologize to anyone for it. Um, you know your wisdom, you know your truth, and you will speak it when the time is needed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, it's about really coming to terms with who you are, mm -hmm. right? And being okay with it. And not feeling like, as you said, making excuses for it when you go out into the world. I mean, what makes the world beautiful? If we were all the same, if we were all, you know, doing the same thing, dressing the same, looking the same, having the same sort of lives, the world would be so boring. What makes the world beautiful is how different we are. And so by accepting who we are fully, flaws and all, um, when we bring that forth out into the world through our solar plexus, when we can let that flow, that is true power. That's really yes. the best gift that we can give to the rest of the world is to allow our true self to be seen for who we truly are. Absolutely, Cassie, that was beautifully stated. And now we have the heart speaking of that level of compassion and empathy that we can have for others, especially when we are empowered in who we are ourselves, who, when we're representing our authentic self. So compassion and empathy, another, um, the dichotomy to that, I guess, would be grief and lack of compassion for others. So one thing that I read recently that resonated with this one is I forgive myself and others. It goes back to that quote and correct me if I have this wrong, but it's, I love you. I forgive you. Please forgive me. Something to that extent. That's such mm -hmm. a powerful quote. Um, yes. This one brings others together. It can manifest when it's imbalanced with, with, like I said, the grief or heart disease, respiratory uh, issues like allergies and bronchitis. Yes. Yes. Very connected to the lungs. Um, it's associated with um, uh, the color green and uh, the element of air. And um, it really is a beautiful chakra. This is one of my favorite it's probably my second next to the sacral chakra of really looking into and tuning into with others because there's so much that's down there and yes it has everything to do with love love for ourselves love for other people um and it is directly connected 
to our sacral chakra um, and our third eye chakra. Um, and this one, this one is, is where everything related to relationships, you know, those special relationships that we have in life and, and our ability to open up to love resides. And so if you've suffered a, a loss, um, if you've lost, I'll use myself as an example, if you've lost a parent, um, you know, when I lost my father 12 years ago, um, in some ways I felt like I had just found him again whenever, when I lost, when he passed away, uh, just because we had been separated for a long time, uh, physically, distance-wise. We only had a few years together to really get to know each other as, as adults and establish a really close relationship. And so when he passed away unexpectedly, um, I don't know that I've ever experienced that much pain. And um, all I knew was that I didn't want to ever experience it again. And so I immediately threw up walls. And um, I was determined not to let anybody into my life uh, that could have that type of power over how I felt about something. And um, it even affected my close relationships with my brothers and friends. I definitely became more distanced. And it really wasn't until I met my husband that he was the first person that really made me feel safe enough to love again. Because I even pushed my, my mother away, my stepfather away. Um, and so when we put up those shields around this heart chakra, or when we, when experiences happen to us that are devastating, you know, those get stored there. And the heart chakra is a huge space that it, you know, they say that chakras are spinning wheels of energy, but really it's just a whole area. So if you take the breath of your shoulders and even out further extending past your shoulders, that's so much space that gets taken up by love. And if you've suffered trauma, if you've suffered loss, that can be hidden there in the corners, right? That one little nugget that's telling you, don't get too close to this person because they can hurt you. You know, that was a voice that was looping through my head for 12 years almost. Don't get too close. They can break your heart. If they die unexpectedly, you're going to experience the same thing you did 12 years ago. That's the kind of stuff that I was hearing in my brain coming from my heart, that fear that I held on to What's interesting is when you said that it should be expanded out to your shoulders, immediately that made me feel uncomfortable to have that much open space of my heart. I'm like, oh, that's a scary feeling. So that right there is an indication that I need to work on that. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, the idea is to open yourself up, you know, open yourself up to the possibility of love. Because truly, if we think about it, if we don't, if, if we don't have love, 
if we don't allow ourselves to love or receive love, then what is the point of all of this? Mm-hmm. And that's a hard one sometimes for us to wrap our brain really around is that's really all that life is about is experiencing love, not just love for other people, love for the planet, love for the sky, for the sun, for the earth. That's what it's all about. It's not about hate. It's not about having more than or less than anyone else. It's just about love and love is what connects us. When we talk about Reiki, we're simply talking about love, the purest form of love, the love of Christ, spirit, the universe, um, mother earth, that thing that we were born from, Mm -hmm. that all originates in our sacral chakra and our heart. And the way we express that love out into the world is, is determined by how open or closed or free-flowing or stagnant our heart, heart chakra is. And, and singing is things, seeing things from a place of love, like you're saying, yeah. is really important because you can certainly see, you could be the pessimist in almost every single situation because there's that dichotomy to every single scenario that we face where there's a positive and a negative, a yin and the yang. So it is easy to go to the other side. But if we can incorporate love in pretty much anything we do, how we communicate with others, how we receive information from the divine, how we create our home, um, how we physically love others, how we love ourselves. Right there, I've just mentioned pretty much all the chakras and related them to love. So in a way, it's like, like you said, it's a connector or a conduit of, of energy for those chakras. Yeah, and actually... Um... A lot of times the heart chakra is referred to as the bridge between the physical world and the spiritual world. It is that chakra that connects our physical body to our ethereal body. That connects us as a a human race to spirit. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That which is understood to that which can never be understood, right? right? So that the heart chakra is the bridge between the physical and the emotional, spiritual, mystical world, you know? It's very true. Those lower three chakras are are representing um, like the lower dimensions. And as we go higher, it's representing those higher dimensions, which is what we're all trying to accomplish is living in those higher dimensions. So the next one would be the throat. Uh, This represents communication, self-expression, the The opposite of that would be not being able to speak your truth, not being able to establish healthy boundaries, potentially lying, even white lies or manipulating the truth to fit your narrative. This will also be the chakra for clear audience, telepathy. It's all about um, receiving information. Your throat chakra is interesting. Uh, I love to watch people speak you know how you said that you have um you get very nervous speaking in front of large groups I mean, I think most of us do in some way or another but um it's really interesting when you start learning more and more about the throat chakra actually watching especially politicians speaking mm-hmm. 
um, you can tell a lot of times when people are not necessarily being truthful because of mannerisms that they have, uh, clearing of the throat, uh, suddenly developing a cough. That's not necessarily mean that they're not telling the truth, but it may be that they're not saying something that they truly believe, hmm. right? Um, we all get told sometimes to say things that we don't necessarily agree with in our professional lives. Um, we answer to a, a person at the top and sometimes our values don't necessarily align. That can come out through our throat chakra. Um, so yes, the throat is all about speaking, but it's also about hearing. Um, and it's about the give and the receiving of information. And so if you're one of those people that um, when you're in a conversation with somebody, you're constantly thinking in your head of what you're going to say next, that you're not listening to the other person, you're not taking in that information. That's related to your throat chakra. If you're not able to listen or if you're interrupting, a lot. That's a sign of an imbalance. So all of those, <clears throat> anything that has to do with receiving information or giving, all is related to the throat. I like that one only because when I'm feeling an imbalance, I love to sing. It's my favorite thing to do. And in a perfect world, I would be like a Lady Gaga where I would just let it all out I would just love to but screaming at the top of your lungs to release uh singing loudly in the shower those are all really good methods to bring some balance back into that chakra and even even breathing mm, um, good point yeah I mean this um this chakra has to do with the element of of, of sound um but the breath is a gateway to opening up the throat. And so not just regular breathing, but almost that fire breath or some people call it Kali breath, uh, where you're really letting the air out as you exhale, almost clearing your throat. It's a wonderful exercise. If you can't go scream out into the world or scream into a pillow, you know, it's a wonderful way to really let out that stagnant energy just opening your whole entire throat and exhaling, even sticking your tongue out and making yourself look like a crazy mad woman, which is still beautiful. That helps clear that flow of energy. I've stuck my tongue out. I've stuck my tongue out before. Yeah. In a yoga class, we were instructed mm -hmm. to do that. And we were instructed to just <sighs> breathe it out. Yeah. It's amazing how therapeutic that is. Just pretend to be a cat. That's all you got to yes. do. <laughs> Just be a lion for a second. Okay. And then we have the third eye. So this is our pineal gland, which a lot of people talk about how it's petrified. I don't personally believe that. I don't like to take that on, but I understand what people are trying to say. You, you have to turn it on. You have to, what we used to do in meditation class uh, which was also a psychic development course is we would pretend it was like a dial on a stovetop and you turn it up, but you don't want to turn it up all the way if you're not really super prepared for that. So a lot of the time we just turn it up to 70. Anyway, this one is uh, to represent consciousness, inner vision, 
the dreams that we have, those symbol systems. Um, and then the imbalances would be inability to think for yourself, uh, not having clarity about what you're receiving, illusion, uh, constant feelings about the state of the world, being fearful of that. That was resonating with me, considering what, what is going on with Russia and Ukraine, and being closed off to intuitive messages. Um, this chakra is supposed to help stimulate spiritual awareness and those feelings that are connected to the divine energy. So that's like you said earlier, that's where your, your information is coming through the crown, which is at the top of your head, but then it's directly going into the center, that third eye. So when this is in balance, the chakra can help you access hidden realms and communicate with your guides and other spirits. Yeah. Yeah, this is a really, really beautiful chakra. It's really magical. You can do just about anything if if you want to. And we, I believe that we are all sensitive beings and have the ability to um, be intuitive beings as well. Yeah. So having something like intuition and uh, being able to see things that aren't necessarily there was wild and exciting. This is the chakra in which messages from the universe, information from the universe, some people are calling it technology from the universe, comes into our third eye and gets translated almost to the human language, right? Mm -hmm. It's how we make sense of the things we can't really even comprehend and it's your imagination also like you said one of this is where our um, dreams come from on the flip side if we're having nightmares this is where they're coming from as well um this is this is the center that is always speaking to you and people will talk about um your ego versus intuition Right. And this is like the angel and the devil sitting on each shoulder. And to me, this is how I, when I'm working with my students, the question always comes up well, how do you know which is which? In your intuition, your third eye, that inner knowledge, or that inner knowing, to me, you have to discern what that sounds like. And to everyone, it's a little bit different. But I would say for the majority of the people, it's a very soft voice. It's a very calming voice. I agree. It's, it's almost a whisper. It's yes. so subtle. And I think people, because we're used to our three-dimensional world, people assume that it's going to be a loud shout from the heavens about what we should be doing. A very obvious sign like, oh my God, my car is stopped and there's someone in the middle of the road yelling, there it is. It's not going to be that. It's going to be no. a quiet little whisper that you, you tend to only hear when you're meditating or doing something meditative. Exactly. Exactly. One of my favorite, and I don't even know, um, it's probably from Rebecca Campbell. Her first book was called um, Light is the New Black. And I think that that's when I really started um, hearing the phrase, listen to the whispers. That was where I learned that in order to get clear, I needed to get quiet. And that was where I became 
comfortable with getting quiet because before I wasn't. I thought like most other people that that glaring kind of loud, obnoxious, blinking red light that's going on in my head all the time, the warning signs, that that was my gut, but it wasn't. That voice, that loud voice is trying to keep us safe. Yes, but sometimes to our detriment. True. He's trying, he's trying to keep us locked into this tiny little experience and closed off from, from risk, but then also reward, right? It's actually trying to keep us small. But when we quiet that voice or we acknowledge that voice and say, okay, I hear you, I get you let's just be quiet for a sec and we tune in to the other one it's amazing the information that we get it's amazing the feelings that we can be overcome and feel so much safer and so much more held and witnessed when we just allow ourselves to listen and all of that i imagine um that voice is coming from the divine. It's coming in through a way that I can't understand and through my third eye. My third eye is translating it into a form, into a language that I can understand. Correct. That's how I kind of yes. do it. Yes, uh, my meditation teacher would have us use our third eye as the light behind the projector screen. Mm-hmm which is really good because then yeah. when you pull down that projector screen, when you're reading a person and you maybe put their body up to see where their chakras might be lighting up, which was one of my favorite methods, then it's coming from that third eye. Right. It's like that space of divine knowing too. You know, some people may think, how do I know if it's the, the divine speaking to me or if it's myself? Well, you'll know by how confident you feel in the answer. So ask the questions, wait for the answer, don't judge the answer and just see what resonates with you. That's basically what you have to do is just ask the questions and, and feel what's right. Yeah. And it really is. It's like a confident, I absolutely know this to be true, even though I have no reason to believe or reason to justify its truth. Right. That's, that's how it feels for me when I'm reading a person. Okay. So our next one is the crown. This was news to me that it represents the central nervous system and the central nervous system controls most functions of the body and mind. Um, it consists of the brain and the spinal cord. The brain is the center of our thoughts, of course, and the interpreter of our external environment, key, and the origin of control over body movement. This uh, represents the gateway to higher realms. So when I read that, I wondered if people are uh, let's see, receiving spiritual information, perhaps it's coming in as a vibration and does that affect them physically? Like, have you seen where people are having tremors, shaking, anything like that from the information that they receive, like a physical response? I personally have. Um, I've had the experience, especially when this was all sort of new to me. I had to have that physical response in order for it to wake me up in a hmm. way for me to for me to actually know that it was bigger than me this chakra is all about making the impossible possible and it's all about 
and the level of trust that we have, everything's going to be okay. This one is what is a chakra that I think is very fluid and can change a lot and gets influenced heavily by what's going on on the earth. Because we as human beings really can't understand death and destruction. That global perspective is what you mean. Like looking at a situation such as Russia and Ukraine Mm -hmm. and not just seeing it for the atrocities that are happening, which really is awful and it brings us down. But looking at what what do these people represent? What message are they trying to give us in society? What are they trying to teach us? They have a sole purpose. They're living out the sole purpose. So let's not, let's make sure they don't waste it. Let's make sure we are not wasting their purpose. Let's honor their experience and really listen to the message of the time. Yeah. And it's about understanding, you know, growing up, I was always told whenever something bad would happen, well, there's a reason, there's a lesson in this. And to me, that is part of the crown chakra as well as trusting that there is a reason. Right. Trusting, trusting that um, in the end, everything will be as it should. And I'd like to say everything will be okay, uh, but it will be as it should because there is a uh, something bigger at play and this really doesn't have anything to do with religion it just has more to do with we as human beings only have control of so much but there's we live on a tiny little speck in this grand universe that we know nothing about really what we know is so limited Yes. There has to be more out there. And this is the crown chakra is just the gateway to one source of universal knowledge, you know, and we can only understand so much, but through this connection to the divine for our crown chakra, that's where we can lean in. We can lean into trust. We can lean into faith. We can lean in further prayer. Um, but it's really, to me, at least that is where I, I, I let things go. When people say you just release it, let it go, either let it go into the ground or you let it go up to the heavens, you know, and to God or whoever. And that's where I let that go. Because yeah. really, whatever that is up there is way more in control of anything than I am. And, yes. and through the crown, that's how I offer my prayer. That's how I offer my gratitude. But that's how I get my faith. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and you can call on those energies like you're, yeah. like you're referring to. When I think of the crown chakra sometimes I feel inclined to bring in a divine energy. And that to me would be like a gold. I see it as a gold thick honey that happens to sparkle like a princess. Okay. (laughs) A lot of (laughs) glitter in there. Like you just dumped the bottle of glitter into this golden honey 
and you pour it over your head. That's the energy that I get from the divine when I call that in. But I might also, and at times I have felt inclined to get information from aliens and other planets, from the other solar systems that are out there. And when I do that, it's like a indigo blue, black, a little bit of purple, also sparkly, also tons of glitter. <laughs> And it's the same, it may have a different consistency. It's not really like honey, but I do like that, that symbolism of honey because I want to think of that energy as it's coming through my crown and it's from a higher place of love, compassion, unconditional love to fill every essence of my being, every cell in my body. I want it to be, I want it to stick to me like glue. And another thing that I learned in class is to check in with your with the color of your crown chakra. And she would always have us set it to a color of amusement and neutrality, especially when reading another person. But I like that neutrality because it actually keeps you neutral in other scenarios like we're talking about where we don't have control over it. And it might be something happening to someone else and we wanna see it from a neutral point of view. But the amusement part, you know, that could be like a, like a neon green or a hot pink or something that's bright and fun it's like bringing in a little bit of that positive energy to it as well. And I think that's a really effect, effective way of, of changing that chakra, influencing it. So then uh, there's just a few others that I wanted to, to touch on, and that would be the ones above the crown. It would be the God's head chakra, which is the 12th chakra. It's located about a foot above the crown, and it's often referred to as the halo. It stimulates higher consciousness and feelings of God energy flowing from within. When it is out of balance, the energy center can manifest as feeling powerless or out of sync with your life. The reason why I wanted to get in touch with this one is because I did a meditation session once, and this was one in which I was teaching others. We decided to go up to this chakra after we balanced and balanced our lower chakras and made sure everything was aligned, we went up there and we listened to NASA space sounds on YouTube as we did our meditation. And it was wild because we all got some pretty abstract things that didn't really make a lot of sense. It was definitely in another language, another dimension, because it was difficult for us to understand. But when we came out of this meditation, we all felt giddy, like we had just been drinking, uh, you know, a few cocktails together. We were giggling <laughs> a lot and just feeling really high on life. So what has been your experience with this chakra, if any? You know, I really haven't, I really haven't worked with the chakras beyond the seven, um, because that's what I'm so focused on in my Reiki practice. I haven't really been beyond that yet, uh, but that sounds like so much fun. <laughs> and it, it makes me want to go do it. <laughs> yes, it's worth exploring. My sister was doing a little bit of that, not intentionally, but she was trying to connect to those other universes and find out more about the Starseed children. And she wanted to download some messages. So I think she actually went there because when she came out of it, she felt um, like she had low blood sugar. And she felt a little shaky because the vibration up there is so much higher than it right. is down here. So it does kind of feel different in the body when you go up there. Um, the other one that I wanted to talk about was 
the cerebellum chakra. Uh, this one is kind of cool because we don't often talk about the chakras on the backside of our body, but they're there as well. You know, the chakras are in the center, as you know, of the body. So it's the front and back, but they can represent different things. So this one is located at the back of the neck where your neck and your head meet. The chakra is known as the well of dreams. It helps you access hidden realms, creative ideas, and your soul contract. Uh, yeah, so this is one I need to explore. Um, prophetic dreaming, it allows you to see things for what they are without allowing judgment to, to cloud what you're seeing. And then when it's imbalanced, it could be clouded judgment, always seeing the negative side of things. And inability to tap into your intuitive voice but this one sounds very interesting like it's one that needs to be explored and talked about a little more a little bit more you know when we're doing those meditations sometimes it can be as simple as closure closing your eyes taking a few deep breaths in and then just checking in with that chakra how vibrant is it in color what color is it um, is it dull is it bright you know, just observing it like you would anything in your material world and, and checking in to see what it feels like. Does it feel blocked off? Does it feel, you know, really expansive? If it's really lit up, that could mean something too. And so as I'm working on someone and on their energetic body, I'm constantly almost like taking their temperature to see how warm is it getting? How hot is it? I don't want it to obviously be scalding hot, but I want it to be that, you know, that good ju juicy warm, right? Before you start getting a little bit too hot, that like perfect warmth. That's what I try to get it to. And as I've come along, now I see a lot of things. Um, I've become a very visual person when working with chakras. And that's one of the reasons why I don't do a lot of hands-on work because I am such a physical person and I do have that side of my personality that's very um, tactile. I get distracted um, by worrying about, is the other person hot or cold? What about that sound that I hear out there on the street? Um, is, that, is, is my person comfortable? Um, oh shoot, you know, I just tripped because um, I trip a lot. And so, <laughs> You know, I think a lot about the physical environment where I get distracted because, again, my state in which for the majority of my life, I felt most comfortable is in a physical state. Yeah. So getting into this intuitive state, it requires me to be um, really in tune, really still and really quiet and because I, am, I allow myself to do that, I allow myself to indulge in distance Reiki a lot more. What opens up to me are these fields of images. And so a lot of times when I'm working on chakras, I see things. I typically am listening to music and sometimes I do get messages through the music, but I see things. I see things that I could never even imagine that if I tried to sit here and think of the most beautiful picture I've seen, it wouldn't even come close 
to the beauty that I've seen when working with other people and their energy. Do you ever see like past life images or situations uh, in their chakras that could be stuck? So I try not to interpret what I'm seeing for someone because I am human and it would be very easy for me to place my own meaning onto it. And so the way that I work is if I see something or if I receive an impression, um, I'm very open after my sessions about what exactly I experienced, what I heard, what I saw, what I felt. And I don't really hold back a whole lot because any, to me, any little piece or nugget of information may be that thing that they needed to hear for it all to make sense. And this really isn't about my experience, it's for them. And it's the experience that their body and their chakras are having. So if I see something, I let them know exactly what I saw. But I try not to imply any meaning or interpret it in any way. Mm -hmm. um, I, there are certain gifts that, um, you know, are not mine to have at this time. Um, and so I... I just let the visions or the messages come and I let my client or my student or whoever it be that I'm working with decipher what that means for them. Do you have a story that you could share with us of maybe a reading that you've done for someone and then they later confirmed what you saw? I mean, something that would really, that was really impactful. So, <clears throat> um, there's there so what yes <laughs> there's a few things actually um one of one of my first experiences is my very first client she didn't even know she was my first client but she is amazing and we had so much fun together but we were we did a session and afterwards um i got into the practice of always choosing a card for someone, uh, for whoever I was working with. And I would, it'd be an Oracle card. And so I would just take a picture of the card and then take a picture of uh, the descriptions and typically the little booklet that it came in. And so this really has nothing to do with the Reiki, but um, I was, I had an altar set up at the time and in the picture of the uh, in the picture of the description of the card so there's this little bitty workbook with all you know the words with the what the card meaning is in the back is my altar with another card on it of mary magdalene and so my client she looked at it, she was like hey what is that what's that image in the back of the picture who is that lady because I keep seeing her. I saw her, she was with me all throughout our session. And so I told, I told her about this Mary Magdalene. And she had been having this experience of this woman being close to her, especially during our Reiki session. And um, it, it, 
And for her to have that confirmation of who it was completely, you know, I would say by chance, but it's not by chance. It just was in the background in my altar. And it showed her exactly what she needed to see to know what kind of support she was being offered by the person she saw during our Reiki sessions. And, and what that, does Mary Magdalene represent? Oh, she represents the divine feminine. She is, um, there's, uh, that's like a whole nother topic that we could talk about, but um, it is in my circle, I would say she's a prophet. Um, she was one of those who walked along Jesus and spread his message and his um, gifts to the rest of us. And she was the expression of the divine feminine. Um, now, Mother Mary was another expression of it, but Mary Magdalene encompassed that, that sensuality, that mm -hmm. power, um, and that um, even though men, women may be different, there is a, an equalness and a, and a um, cohesiveness with them. So there's a whole, um, there's a woman named uh, Megan Masterson, I believe it's Waterson, maybe. Um, she's written several books on um, the Gospel of Mary. And um, it's really, it's a beautiful topic, but it also goes into the meaning of the rose and that the rose was, was a, is a symbol of the Marys and it's a symbol of the divine feminine. And um, it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful topic. I like that you said roses. I like to use roses for clearing out my chakras. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think of them as a sticky roller where they just kind of pick up the negative energy. Uh, roses symbolize love and they also symbolize protection because of the thorns. So anytime I went into like a haunted scenario or if I'm dealing with a difficult person who is um, overpowered and not in balance with, with their sense of power over others, I will put those thorns around my energy field to make sure that they know I come in peace, I come with love, but don't cross me <laughs> or you're gonna get poked by the thorns. And that's not fun. Yeah, <laughs> It's terrible. not, yeah, it's not like I'm going to attack you. It's not that kind of energy and it's definitely not a brick wall. You know, if you think of a rose, a rose bush, I, I kind of actually think of it as like a vine around my body where you could still come into my space I'm not saying, no, you can't come in. I'm just putting that, um, that boundary there. You can come in peace. And that's yeah. it. That's your only option. Yeah. Okay, so we went through all the chakras. Reiki, I wanted to talk about that just a little bit more. Um, so Reiki was founded in Japan. Rei means God's wisdom or the higher power. And ki, which is life force energy. So Reiki, if you put those two together, it's like spiritually guided life force energy. 
many people say that a treatment feels like um, a wonderful radiance that flows through and around you. Um, I know for my mom, when she had a migraine one day and, and she was in college to become an occupational therapist, one of the students studying therapy behind her was doing Reiki on her without her realizing it because they could sense that she was having difficulty and eliminated her migraine altogether by the end of the class. And she hmm. was shocked because that has never happened. Usually she has to go home and you know, take medications and sleep it off. Um, so the person who developed Reiki is called Mikao Osui. He brought in some principles, right, into Reiki. And those five principles of the Miyagi come from the, oh wait, the five principles come from Miyagi Emperor of Japan. Is that correct? Um, I don't know. <laughs> The, there are five principles of Reiki, and they were created by Usui, um, and they're really beautiful. Uh, but so, and you kind of use them as a prayer, um, it, but they really are the essence of Reiki, and they represent the Buddhist way of life, meaning like kindness, compassion, love gratitude, peace, and balance. So these are principles that are meant to lead us to enlightenment and mastery of ourselves. So those five principles are usually, and you'll see different versions of them, but mine that I work with say for today only, I will be free of anger. I will be free of worry. I will be grateful and humble. I will do my work to the best of my ability with appreciation, and I will be kind to all living things. And what I love about these principles is that they start with for today only, and you can even go smaller for the next five minutes. I will be free of anger. I will be free of worry. And it doesn't mean that we have to commit to this complete state of enlightenment. We recognize our humanity and we can start from right now. And the last one, I will be kind to all living things is really beautiful because everything is, everything's alive. Everything is alive with energy, our planet, our animals, the trees, the flowers, uh, everything around us. And it means we will be kind to ourselves as well. And so even if we take all the other things away and just focus on being kind to ourselves, that eliminates the worry, that eliminates the anger, that eliminates the fear, that brings in appreciation and gratitude and compassion. Right. So it's really a beautiful, beautiful part of the Reiki practice, and when, especially when you're when you're training to become a Reiki master, one of the things in my in my course that I um, encourage everybody to do is to write this on their mirror, print it out from our from my handbook, and um, cut it out, put it on your computer screen, put it on your refrigerator, put it on your mirror, put it on your um, your nightstand, so that it is the first. And the last thing that you see each day, 
and it's there when you need it most. So for me before in my previous life, it was on my computer screen so that I could catch myself in the midst of chaos and angst and repeat it to myself and start again. I'll read one of his quotes because it's, it's exactly what you're saying. The secret art of inviting happiness, the miraculous medicine of all diseases. Just for today, do not anger, do not worry and be filled with gratitude. Devote yourself to your work, be kind to people. Every morning and evening, join your hands in prayer. Pray these words to your heart and chant these words with your mouth. That's beautiful. I love that. I think you're right. Putting that next to your bedside so that you're reading it first thing in the morning to start your, your day and set your intention is really wise. I've noticed like big differences when I do things like that. You know, my work day specifically is much more smooth when I pray for that protection and pray for that loving energy to be surrounded. And I'll, I'll mention this too, because this is really fascinating. Harvard University did a clinical research study. They had 1,411 Reiki sessions, and they included all of them in their analysis. And what they were looking at was whether Reiki could be used for physical and mental health issues, specifically pain, fatigue, anxiety, depression, and just overall well-being. By the end of it, all symptoms had significantly improved following one single Reiki session, just one. And then there was another clinical trial. This was a blinded uh, pilot study. So it was a, a first time type study. And they investigated the effects of Reiki on 46 patients that were about to undergo knee replacement surgery. Of the three groups, Reiki, Sham Reiki, and standard of care were all used. Um, so there were three, three different groups of those 46 subjects and they used um, one of those three for each group. Only the Reiki groups showed significant reductions in pain, blood pressure, respiratory rate, and anxiety. So that's amazing. We can see right there that science proves that there is something to Reiki that is helping people heal. Yeah, I believe in it 100%. But what I also want to make sure everyone gets from this is that we were all born able to perform Reiki. Every single person on this planet can do Reiki and it's innate. And I think one of the, the best examples is if you're a mother, I'm sure that your child has, one of your boys has fallen, skinned his knee. Oh, and yeah. what is your first instinct? Go and put your hands over where it hurts, right? Yep. That is Reiki. You know, you should be trained, yes, and you should get training that is balanced and really teaches you how to protect yourself, um, because that's a big component of energy work, how to clear and balance your own chakras and someone else's. And, and training also will validate for you the experiences that you're having as you learn to give it and receive it but reiki is something that everybody can do and that we all do all the time and just don't realize it 
what makes a Reiki session different is the intention that's behind it and that it is intentionally directed towards another person. And typically that that person is aware that that love, that energy is coming towards them and gives permission for that energy to move within them and for you to interact with it and work with it. If we think of it as love, and I think love is the most powerful force on the planet, then of course our blood pressure will go down. Of course we'll breathe a little bit easier if we're getting a little extra love. What kind of messages would you be receiving that, okay, they're not ready yet maybe to work on this particular chakra? I likely wouldn't receive anything um, because I truly believe whatever I see, it's because they want me to see it. It's because they're allowing that piece of themselves to open up to me. So if someone is closed off, does not feel safe enough yet, I typically won't see anything. Now, there is a distinction. Reiki and intuition Reiki and seeing messages are two very separate things. You can give Reiki and not see any messages or get any visuals or hear anything from the person that you're giving Reiki to. Those are two very separate things. And I make a conscious choice and I teach all of my students to make a conscious choice as to whether or not to turn on their intuitive gifts or not when they give Reiki, but that they have every right not to. Because the giving and receiving of energy, like I said, when I first started out, a lot of what I felt was physical. It was heat. It was temperature. And I didn't see anything. I felt it. It was something I really couldn't explain. But when I felt safe enough, when I felt confident enough in the energy itself, when I trusted it enough, that was when I allowed that, that switch to flip and allowed my third eye to turn on and allowed myself to receive whatever it is my client wants, wants me to know and wants me to reflect back to them. That makes sense entirely. And for my mom, who didn't know that Reiki was being done to her, she was clearly suffering in class and couldn't do anything about it. So she subconsciously was probably seeking help. And this person was so in tune, they were able to do that for her. I know that when I'm doing angel card readings or tarot card readings, one of my favorite things to do is to use my non-dominant hand. I don't know why I feel that way. I just... It's like my right is so used to having the control in every situation. I kind of want to take that element out of it. So I use my left hand and I very slowly go over each and every card. I make sure that they've all been spread out even just a little bit so that I'm seeing the backside of the card. I'm not seeing the front and I'm just scanning over it. And I actually do feel a little bit of heat and a little bit of a vibration, like a tingle on my palm. And that's when I know that's the card, but I do it. It takes me a little bit of time. I'm yeah. real careful. Cause I usually feel the tingle in multiple places. So I go to the strongest pull. A lot of times it's the motherfucking transformation card. 
I think I would probably be pulling it now. <laughs> One of the first circles I ever went to with women um, was actually in Oak Island with this this one named Shannon, who is just one of the coolest people on the planet. The women that gather with her on every new moon are just amazing. And so when I got back to Wilmington, uh, I grabbed Heather on the first new moon that I was back and I was like, we're going, I need a circle, you're coming with me. And one of the things that they do is, is you know, for the new moon is a great time to set intentions and to make wishes and to have clar clarify what dreams you'd like to manifest in your life over the next month. And one of the ladies <laughs> said transformation and Heather and I just looked at each other <laughs> like, oh my God. Oh no. Like, it was are like you the, sure? Yeah. It's like the tower clock. We're like, oh no, I cannot. <laughs> and we told them later on, like, how we felt about that <laughs> word um but that's yeah. how i feel when people wear labradorite and i love labradorite but it's the stone of transformation and yeah. i'm like just be careful like ask and you shall receive you know once you start to practice that law of attraction a little bit more and be more conscientious about it it you can you have to be careful yeah i recently was um telling my friend this was prior to moving out the company that I was with for the past year and she's a big artist and she's really into spirituality and we were both talking about how we just wanted to do art and I'm like oh, I just wish I didn't have to work so I could just do art and then and then that job ended <laughs> and I had a whole month off to do art and fun stuff so yeah, yeah you really do have to be careful what you ask for but sometimes people feel pulled yeah. for for certain reasons and certainly transformation can be a beautiful thing yes I yeah. think it always is it's just in the beginning stages it's kind of it can feel a little rough to be pulled outside of our comfort zones yeah and sometimes you don't see you don't see the big picture when you're right in the middle of it totally you know I never if you would have asked me three years ago um if I thought I would be happy living on the boat and um, at Pete's, uh, three years ago, I would have said no way because everything was in transition, right? Everything in my entire life was transforming into something so foreign to me and it felt like, and it was my world as I knew it ending. But you can't see that when you're going through it. Now, I would never want to go back to how my life was. I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled. I wasn't a very kind person to the people I love the most in the world. Um, but I didn't know that, you know? So when you, the, the beauty of, of transformation comes afterwards, really, when I think you can look back at how it all started and just how tough it got and see the beauty that came from that destruction. Yep, the phoenix rising. Yeah, yes. If you're considering becoming a Reiki master or becoming a Reiki practitioner, the most important thing is to never stop giving yourself Reiki. 
Reiki isn't all about the giving. Reiki is about the receiving. And it is just as important for you as the practitioner, for your energy to be clean, moving and flowing and open as it is for your clients to be at the end of the session. What you're doing as a Reiki practitioner is you are a channel and your goal is really to make your channel as pure as it can be so that that energy that's coming from above whatever source you deem it to be is as pure as possible as it gets directed to the source that you're working with. A lot of people, and I'm guilty of this too, they become a Reiki practitioner and they just want to give, 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 give. Then they start to feel depleted. You're not giving this energy that is abundantly flowing at all times. You're giving yourself, you're giving your own energy away. So that would be my number one is to, if you decide to delve into Reiki and give it to others, you want to make sure you are taking care of yourself first and foremost before you're working with anybody else. Um, the second thing would be to learn how to ground yourself after a session. When you are working with someone else, and really anytime we go out into public, we are going to pick up energy. Um, when we touch something, we leave a part of ourselves there. We change the energetic imprint of everything around us when we go out into the world. And that means that we are changed energetically as well when we go out into the world and when we come home. And so one of the best things that we can do is to make sure and ground ourselves and let go, especially at the end of the day or at the end of a Reiki session, if you're the practitioner, release that energy into the earth in some form or fashion, whether it's, it's creating a grounding cord from your root chakra into the earth, whether it's going out and sitting on a patch of grass or taking your shoes off and walking on the earth and discharging those positive ions, which are really not good for us. When we walk on the earth, we discharge positive ions, pick up negative ions from the earth, which help us to cope with stress, cope with anxiety, cope with all the other matters of this material world that we live in. Make sure you're taking care of yourself and your own energy, and then make sure you learn what works for you in terms of really grounding your energy so that you are not carrying other people's energy around with you. Excellent advice. Because we know how that is. <laughs> we do. <laughs> And then sometimes we take it on, we don't yeah. realize that it's someone else's and we project it. In other words, we vomit that energy all over someone else. And I've noticed a lot with people who take on energy and they don't realize that they're doing it. They don't, they cannot hold negative energy in their body for a very long period of time. None of us can. And that's why people expel this energy out. They might lose their temper. It explodes out of them in some way, shape, or form. It manifests an illness. Like it, it's going to physically come out. 
So the best thing that you can do, as you just stated, is release that energy to the earth because the earth is the ultimate neutralizer. The earth replenishes that energy. It renews that energy. And then you can take it up through your feet chakras, which we didn't even talk about. But I mean, there's a reason why the Hindus have been wetting their feet before they go in for prayer for thousands of years. There's really something to that. Yes. When I do Reiki in person, the feet are my favorite part. They are very, very powerful. And if I had another piece of advice, take your shoes off. Just yes. take them off when you get home from work. If you don't need to wear shoes, don't wear them because they just keep us disconnected from so much. I agree. And you can work on your stabilizing muscles at the same time, exactly. says my occupational therapist, Mama. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little piece of free therapy advice. <laughs> I feel like this session has been therapy because you've reminded me a lot of things that I have forgotten to be quite honest and the past few days I have not been in sync at all especially coming out of Tuesday which I had two podcast episodes recorded and I was high on life that happened to be for for 2022 mm-hmm. so there's a reason why I was feeling so aligned and now I'm kind of coming off of that and feeling un- misaligned so thank you for this information and the wonderful reminders and advice that you've given us Please visit um, Cassie on Lemurian Lightwork, and please also check out her tie-dye creations. They're incredible. They're really cool. You even do gemstone art with your tie-dye. I love it. It actually looks like a gemstone, like a jacket. Yeah, and I'm hoping to do more. (laughs) Please do. I love it. And I love you, Miss Cassie. I love you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining the Artemis Awakening Podcast. Please join us again for another intriguing conversation about the supernatural world.